In today's episode, we're going to talk with Paul Moore, who is, he's got a whole list of accomplishments throughout, throughout his life that you're going to learn about. But right now, he is the managing partner of Wellings Capital. So we're just going to talk to him a little bit about the real estate environment, um, how someone could get into that, and a bunch of other different topics, topics right around that. Yeah, and if you ever thought about listening to a podcast that was called How to Lose Money, uh, well, you might go, well, who would ever want to listen to that podcast? Well, Paul is going to tell you a little bit about why it is that he named his podcast How to Lose Money. So we look forward to that. And he answers all these questions that we throw at him and, and really kind of share some really, really cool ideas. So we think you're going to really like this. Um, by the way, if you've not had a chance or if you have had a chance, go to our website, pomwealth.net. And we have a blog page there that has an article come out every single week on different topics around how to plan for and living through retirement. We list a lot of the numbers that you might hear from time to time on the podcast, and maybe it's not as easily uh, um, for you to remember, but there you can get it in writing. Uh, also, uh, to the right of that page, you'll see a, an online masterclass. We have three keys to secure your retirement. That is absolutely free. We never ask for any money. So check that out as well. But before we get into this particular episode, we need to do a quick disclosure. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Monday podcast. Um, as you know, all of our podcasts that we have on Monday is where we, uh, you know, we're trying to bring people that can add value, experts, people that can tell us about how to live a better life. And today, I think we've done a very good job by who we've got as a guest. His name is Paul Moore. And we're going to probably talk about something that uh, I think is going to be intriguing right off the bat here, because we're going to talk about this idea, because people look, I think, sometimes and they see people that they say, oh, man, those, those, those people are in a different place. And usually that's, you know, talking about wealth sometimes, you know, super wealthy people. How do they how do they maintain that wealth and then get it to the next generation? And I think everyone's kind of worried about that, or at least they think about it. So we're going to ask them a bunch of questions. So let me just say this first and foremost, Paul, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us today. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. I'm really honored. Great. So, hey, if you don't mind, Paul, just so everybody kind of gets a little bit of uh, your background, can you kind of tell us a little bit about you and and, and how you got to where you are today and, and a little bit about, you know, what, what it is that you actually are doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a petroleum engineering degree in the mid eighties, which was my first mistake. And, uh, then I got, I went to Ohio state, got an MBA, went to Ford motor company. And within a few weeks at Ford, I realized I was looking ahead at different people. And I thought, gosh, it seems a little boring. And like, there might be a lot of 
you know, a lot of travel and stuff. And I, I really kind of wanted to be my own captain, my own destiny. Well, one of my friends who went to Ford also felt the same way. So we quit Ford after a couple of years and started our own staffing firm. We sold it to a publicly traded firm five years later. I had been finalist for Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year a few times. And then I got into real estate. And I thought, hey, I'm a full-time investor now. But the truth was, I wasn't. I was a full-time speculator. And I didn't know the difference. And I think that was a pretty important to figure out. So I lost a lot of money along the way. I made a lot of money as well. Uh, got into flipping lots, then flipping houses and did a small subdivision, built some homes. Bad idea for me. And um, I, uh, I wondered how to get into commercial real estate. And I didn't know where the on-ramp was, like a lot of us. I eventually ended up partnering with that same guy to build a couple multifamily developments in a Hyatt hotel. And uh, I jumped back into full-time commercial real estate syndication. After that, I've written a couple of books on commercial real estate since then. Very good, Paul. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, for everyone listening, obviously he's got quite a bit of knowledge and experience behind them. And so we feel very comfortable asking him some, some tough questions that, you know, everyone's thinking of. Um, and uh, the first one I've got for you, Paul, is, you know, in, in, the, in the environment that we're in today, um, bank rates are low, interest rates are low. It used to be, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you could go and get a CD for nine, 10%. Uh, you could go get, stick your money in a mar money market for five, 6%, something like that, always keeping up with inflation or better. And now that's just not the case in the, in the bank environment. And so, you know, everything is going to have its pros and cons, right? In, in the, if you go invest in the market, you can make great returns. You can also lose some money. If you go to the banks, your money's protected FDIC, but you're not really going to get anything. So what are some of the other strategies out there that you're seeing that could be, you know, something to think about uh, outside of just sticking your money in the bank? Absolutely. Sam Zell is perhaps the most successful real estate investor in U.S. history. And Sam Zell got extremely wealthy in a time that's a little similar to this. And I would argue that maybe the time we're in could even be better. He locked into six or seven percent interest rates, which were really low at the time, while inflation was running, you know, eight, nine, 10, 15 percent. And we're at a historic time where interest rates are at a 5,000 year low. And I'm not just saying that, they've actually studied these back to ancient Egypt. So, uh, so we've got these great interest rates. I mean, we just invested yesterday in a mobile home park with a 3% fixed interest rate that's gonna go 10 or 12 years. But we've got this thing called inflation, looming inflation. It was 0.9% last month alone. And so we've got this potential to create significant wealth in these, uh, in the, with the strategy of locking in a low interest rate and then letting inflation do its work. Because in commercial real estate, we kind of all understand how to make money in residential real estate. But in commercial, it's very different. It's based on a formula. The math formula goes quite simply. It's sort of like PE ratios in stock. The value is the income divided by the rate of return or the net operating income divided by the cap rate. And we're in a time when cap rates have shrunk a lot, but if net operating income goes up, you're, you have an opportunity to force appreciation. Then you sprinkle in some safe leverage and you've got a chance to really, really make significant gains. And that's 
the time we're looking at right now. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a time that I have ever heard of in history where interest rates are still staying low, but inflation is heating up like it is now. I actually spent five days with Doug Duncan uh, and about 200 other people in Belize recently at a conference. Doug Duncan is the chief economist for Fannie Mae, and he really believes this is a unique time and an opportunity to really create a lot of wealth using that type of strategy, using real estate specifically. Yeah, well, I, you know, I know that um, you have a podcast. We call our podcast Secure Your Retirement, and it's all about this idea of folks that a, lar a large amount of the folks who listen to us are people that are within about 10 years of retirement or already in retirement. So they've kind of built up their, their wealth and, and, uh, they're, or they're trying to close that out. And so they're real concerned about keeping that secure. And you actually uh, called your podcast, How to Lose Money. So I'm trying to figure that out. Why'd you do that? And, and why would somebody want to listen about how to lose our money? Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I, like I said, in uh, 1999 or so, I thought I was a full-time investor, but I was a speculator. You know, investing is when your principal is generally safe and you've got a chance to make a return. Speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And I was doing the second. Well, when I realized what I was doing and I started investing, I was zealous that a lot of other people get that message. That was one issue. The second issue is, honestly, I'd go to conferences and I'd see these speakers on stage and I'm sure they were all telling the truth, but they would tell these amazing stories, how they got you know, to billionaire status or whatever. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if some of them told the pain and losses along the way? Because I would get in these little breakout groups and the guys would just be hanging their head. Oh, I'll never have the breaks that guy had. I'll never have the education. I'll never have this advantage. And they thought they couldn't make it. And I said, wouldn't it be amazing if they shared how painful it was on the way to the top? And I thought, if I ever get on that stage, I'm going to share how painful and hard it is. Well, we started the podcast to interview some of these great investors and well-known people who have made it to the top about their pain, loss, struggles, relational tension, you know, bankruptcies, et cetera, on the way. And our goal was to encourage everybody and give them hope because all these people like Gino Wickman, Mike Michalowicz, all these great people, they've had the same pain and loss and struggles that we all have on the way to the top. And so we think it's been quite encouraging and given people a lot of hope. And we also think sometimes it's easier to avoid replicating someone else's mistakes than it is to replicate their success. We know what not to do now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, while you're while you're describing your podcast, I just looked it up on on my phone and I see one of your uh, more recent episodes is this one called How to Lose Money by Ignoring Your Gut Feelings. And, um, you know, Raiden and I, for what we do and we talk to our clients, we try to edu educate our clients on not getting emotional when it comes to market investing. Um, cause a lot of times emotions get in the way you think the market's going to go one way, you make a decision and ultimately you end up getting burned or you have regrets or whatever it is. Um, so what, 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 what is the, the thought process there in that episode? Just a quick high level, just because I think the title is so intriguing about ignoring your gut feelings. Cause some other others would say, you know, when you're taking a test or when you're, when you're doing stuff, they say, Hey, go with your gut. So why ignore the gut feelings? Mm-hmm. 
you know, it seems like we were designed, I guess our brains can do, was it four quadrillion calculations a second? And it seems like we're designed to be able to pick up on all kinds of cues that our conscious mind doesn't recognize. I mean, if someone's standing a certain way with their eyebrows a certain way, saying a certain words with a certain pause, you know, our subconscious mind seems to be able to pick up these cues and say that person's not telling the truth, but our conscious mind likes to override it, especially if we're males. And I find for me that if I'm trying to make a big investment that makes total sense to my logical mind, my gut feel is often the voice of my wife. I hope she doesn't hear this, but anyway, she is so intuitive. It's amazing. And she says, don't trust that person. I'm, and I give her all the reasons she's wrong, but you know, five years later, I find out she's almost always right. And I had the gut feel, but I just didn't follow it. And I think that's why I recommend that people really tap into that and not ignore that. Because if the gut feel and the head both, if they're out of alignment, there may be something wrong. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I would just some a side point here. I was I we read that you had set your company up. This is kind of almost seems like it's off topic a little bit, but you set your company up to to somehow generate uh, funding for human trafficking and then also how to rescue people out of that. Yeah. How did you do that? And I, I would almost ask also why, what was the driver for that? Yeah. About six years ago, I saw a movie called Nefarious and I recommend everybody get it on YouTube or watch it. It's from a group called Exodus Cry. Guys, did you know if you took the record profits, not the average, the record profits from Apple, General Motors, Nike, and Starbucks, added those record profits together, tripled that number. That's the estimated revenues generated by human trafficking every year. And I'd like to believe if I was alive in the 1800s, I'd be an abolitionist fighting against slavery. And I'd like to believe if I was an adult in the 1960s, I would have been fighting for good civil rights. Well, this is a civil right. This is slavery and it's happening right under our noses. So we wanted to set up Wellings Capital with the thought that when investors invest with us, they know that a portion of our profits connected to their investment is going to free slaves. And we're about to announce a major initiative in that sense that every new investor that comes in, we're going to be freeing a slave with our profits from that within the first three to four months. And so that's why we do this. And we want to raise public awareness on this issue as well. Yeah, I think that that sounds very admirable. So uh, kudos to you and the entire Wellings Capital team for uh, coming up with the program, but also following through with it. I think, you know, that that's fantastic. Um, Thank you. So you talk about this thing called uh, a big why. 
um, as to you got to find what your big why is. We like that word too, the why. Why would you ever do something when it comes to the investment decisions you're making or the retirement planning decisions that you're making? It always comes back to the why. So I'm interested to see uh, what you're going to say when it comes to, well, what is a big why and why should everyone, why is it so important that everyone knows what that is for them? Yeah, I was 33 and we sold our company to a publicly traded firm. And I woke up on October 8th, uh, to, uh, 1997. I didn't feel that much different than I did the day before. No worse, but not that much better with a couple million dollars in the bank. And I also heard a story about the CEO of Auntie M's pretzels and kind of shortening the, shortening the story. He woke up with $151 million in his bank account and he realized he was miserable. He had worked really, really hard, but he had sacrificed, as we all do, some relationships, time and things along the way. And he realized something. He said, you know what? I should have found my joy in the journey because the joy is not just at the end. When we reach our goals, we need to find our joy in the journey. And one of the ways of doing that is have a big why that's other than money. And so for us, like I said, as a company, it's fighting human trafficking and rescuing its victims. There are other issues as well, like, you know, having great relationships, role modeling, what it means to be a good husband, all these type of things are things I want to do. Yet I get distracted every day and I'm tempted to believe it's about making money or being a success at work. And that's important, but I think it all needs to be integrated into our big why. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we, like Merce said, we talk about that all the time. And uh, one of the things that we find is that sometimes people, you know, even when they retire from, let's say a long time career, they still got to figure out what are they going to do now? And what, what is it they want to do? And that is their big why. And so we, that think makes a lot of sense. Now let's talk a little bit about some ideas around real estate. I know you mentioned just a little bit ago that you had invested just recently in a mobile home park. Um, I think, uh, you know, in reading your stuff too, you, you mentioned about also storage facilities, which I am always amazed by that. I drive around and I see storage after storage and I'm going, man, goodness, man, this is, this is like, they're, they're everywhere. And I'm thinking, why do we have so much stuff is probably one of the things I think about, but why do you think it is that, that, that people are shifting their, these investors, these real estate investors are shifting their money over into those worlds of mobile homes and, and mobile home parks, as well as uh, storage facilities. There's a lot of reasons, and I'll try to boil it down as succinctly as I can. I wrote a book on apartment investing called The Perfect Investment in 2016. And by 2017, I was so frustrated, 2018, especially trying to find apartment deals because they'd become so overheated. There's so much money coming into the space. Apartments are mostly fixed up. 93% of large apartments are owned by companies that have multiple assets. They've already done the value adds. There's just not a lot of runway. And if you read Howard Marks, Mastering the Market Cycle, you'll realize perhaps, you know, I mean, we're definitely at record pricing on all these types of assets. The problem is there's no margin of safety. When you think about Buffett's margin of safety, apartments don't have much, but apartments are the big in thing to invest in, in commercial real estate, at least in the segments, you know, that I see, and we could go over why office and retail and malls and others are really failing in a lot of ways. But what we found out was there is a lot of fragmentation in mom and pop and mom and pop owners in self-storage and mobile home parks. And there's other asset types as well. But we like these because, let me just give you an example. There's about 44,000 mobile home parks in the US. 
about 85% are owned by mom and pop operators. They don't have the desire or the resources or the knowledge to improve the income and maximize value. Hey, why should they? Cap rates have gone from about 10 or 11% down to five or six. So they've already doubled the value of their facilities just by staying mediocre. And so acquiring these types of assets and paying them a fair price, in fact, more than they ever dreamed, allows us to improve them to, let's say, institutional standards, and then sell them at a reduced cap rate with significantly increased net operating income. And again, going back to our math formula, this is how we're able to get, I mean, just as an example, 347% IRR on a deal that went full cycle uh, in the mobile home park space last year. That's including the leverage, of course. We had 3.5 million equity, 3.6 million debt, 7.1 million in it, sold it for 15 million in less than a year. And that's the kind of numbers we got. Now that's an exception to the norm in the number, in the IRR number, but we're regularly seeing IRRs north of 50% on these type of deals. And that the reason is, a lot of the reason is that these are mom and pop operators who leave massive amount of meat on the bone when they sell the asset. Mm -hmm. So how does a person like, you know, listening to you, like if a person thinking, Hey, I don't know anything about mobile home parks. I don't know anything about storage places. I don't have any idea about how to, you know, invest in something like that. I mean, what would you say, Hey, here's some things you might want to think about. Here's some thing, here's some guidance on what you might do to, 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 to get more information about that. Just because, I mean, I hear that and I go, well, that sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a good return, uh, you know, uh, in something like that, but I have no idea how I would even go about investing in something like that. You know, I, for years ago, like 20 years ago, I had, uh, I looked at storage and looked at mobile home parks and I was confused. I mean, how would I get into this? You know what? I need millions of dollars. How would I get the debt? All that. It seemed overwhelming. Well, syndication has been around for hundreds of years. It's been codified since 1933 in the securities laws, but it's become really popular since 2012. I'd recommend somebody go out and go online uh, or go, you know, check around and look for a syndicator or a fund that offers these type of investments. Do a whole lot of due diligence. And if you need to, you know, get this book. It's called The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. This is how to evaluate a syndicator and figure out if they're a good apple or not. And once you're sure that they're somebody you really trust, invest with them and let them do the heavy lifting while you enjoy your job, your family, or your retirement. Right. Yeah. Because I guess with real estate, and you kind of alluded to it at the beginning, at the very beginning of the podcast, is that you 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 got into the world of trying to build houses yourself. I'm sure. very familiar with that because I grew up in that world. And, and so in real estate, you can either do it all yourself or kind of find someone that can help you do it or farm it out. And so right. ultimately someone just needs to make that decision. So for my, for my dad, you know, he loves doing all that dealing with the subcontractors and building the houses from start to finish. And that really worked out for him. You have others that say, I'm really good at managing rental property. And then you have the others that are just saying, Hey, I've got some extra money, but I want to be completely hands-off and I want to just be able to get some type of rate of return in a different bucket outside of my normal 401k investments and everything like that. So I think it's good to know. And what you're, what you're saying is that there's options out there. You just, you know, you got to do the research obviously, and you got to pay attention to what's going on. Right. Um, is there anything else that's that, that, that we haven't talked about anything that 
you know, secrets out there as far as, or what you would consider secrets that help maintain, attain and maintain wealth as as we close out here. Yeah. Mercy. You know, there's, it's not always possible to do this, but I had a friend who had been in commercial real estate for decades. Show me, he spent hours doing it, uh, how you could take $20 million, invest it, not touch the returns for 10 years. And then in the second 10 years, take the, uh, take nice returns along the way. And at the end of 20 years, your 20 million in equity would be worth 210 million in the total asset value, including leverage. And it would have thrown off 131 million in income. I shouldn't say income cash flow along the way. That was amazing, but it was all in the numbers and it was all provable. What really amazed me though, was he said, it's possible if maneuvered perfectly at every step, that this investor might not have paid any taxes at all along the way. Now they would have had to do a qualified, they'd have had to be a qualified real estate professional. They would have had to use 1031 exchanges, which are still available for real estate investors, but it really is possible. This is why we have these famous people who have, you know, come out and they have a $750 on their tax return because of things like this. The government has set it up uh, to make it really possible and feasible to not pay any taxes and kick the can down the road and even let your heirs inherit it with no taxes at all, even back taxes from the profits in the past. Now that could change, but that's how it is right now. We love it. Fantastic. Well, you've obviously shared some really good, uh, uh, we've got them gold nuggets, right? Uh, and it's been helpful. If somebody was listening to this and they wanted to get more information about you and, and maybe, uh, you know, about what you've been able to accomplish and, and just to do their research about what you do, could you tell us how to do that? Yeah, like I said, it's really hard to figure out where the on-ramp is to get into commercial real estate. So we've created a nice five-day course people can get if they want free. It's at our website. It's wellingscapital.com, W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, wellingscapital.com. And then to get the course, it's forward slash resources. Very good. Well, we, uh, for every show, we always put together a podcast uh, page on our website. So we'll have all that information there. Easy for them to go click on that and get over there to that uh, website page. Uh, but we just would like to say, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and coming on and talking with us today and sharing what you've shared with us. You bet, guys. It was a real honor, and I really appreciate your show. Thank you. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.